Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to Season 2 of The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Season premiere time. Ben, you excited? I am excited. Adam, I want to tell you a a brief uh, embarrassing story before we get into the episode today. We're starting the season off with embarrassing stories. It's great. You took it upon yourself recently to go on Electronic Bay and purchase a box of Star Trek cards and have them sent to my house. I did. It was a it was a happy end of first season gift from me to you. Well, uh, they got here, and uh, I'm actually traveling, so I don't have them with me, or I would be ripping ripping into the box right now. Oh, but um, I got the box and I opened it and I set the box of cards down on my coffee table and they sort of just blended into my environment and then I had a friend over who is not really the kind of friend who is has any interest in talking about Star Trek with me uh, he's a much cooler person than I am and oh, you know right. he knows that and I know that but we are friends <laughs> And it's understood. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a given that he's, he's vastly cooler than I am. And like the Edgar Allan Poe story, the purloined letter, (laughs) I was sitting there having a beer with him in my living room and became aware that there was a box of Star Trek cards sitting on the table in between us, like a sore thumb. And it, was all I could focus on. Like we were having a, <laughs> we were having like a, a total hang, and I was like, "Does he notice this? Does he know it's there? Is there a way I can take off my ball cap and casually toss it onto the table over the Star Trek cards in the hopes that it conceals them before he notices them?" And uh, like, can I come up with a medical condition as a distraction? Yeah, yeah. What's that over your shoulder? The Goodyear blimp. <laughs> And, uh, wow, everything's on the table at that point as far as uh, devising some sort of scheme. Yeah, well, I uh, I have to say I don't have a very satisfying end to the story. He, he left without commenting, and that might be a part of why he's such a cool guy. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get that cool. Yeah, but uh, I mean, because I know that if I like went to somebody's house and they had something dorky on their table, I would not make a comment on it. You're a, you're a friend to dorks, though, also. You're a safe place. I am a safe place, but I'm also going to make a... make. I'm going to crack wise, you know? I mean, it's my way. You think this guy's off telling his cool friends about your dorky Star Trek cards? Yeah. He was one of my groomsmen. Oh, jeez. I don't know if he would be, if I'd asked him now. Is, is he a married person? He is. Oh, okay, because I was going to say uh, uh, it would be a big message for him to send if uh, he didn't invite you to be in his wedding party <laughs> after this. Yeah, oh yeah, that would be, uh, be cold. Well, uh, with that, why don't we dive in to our season premiere Let's of season it. two. It's, uh, it's season two, episode one, The Child. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Decided to ramble on about something everyone knows. Ben, I think right off the bat, uh, we should probably discuss just some changes to the show. 
Yeah. Uh, this second season, I think you notice right away some pretty bold statements visually. Right. I think first and foremost, you just need to lead with uh, the fact that Commander Riker has a beard now, whereas before he was a clean-shaven fellow. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people use the advent of facial hair as a demarcation line of when Star Trek shows get good. That's fair. Commander Sisko getting getting a beard in uh, Deep Space Nine. He might be captain by the time he gets the beard in Deep Space Nine. Sure. But, uh, but he starts rocking a goatee, and that's like when they stop with the childish games on that show. And, right. Uh, uh, Catherine Janeway's... Uh, <laughs> post-menopausal beard. Yeah, she gets a, a like a Fu Manchu in seasons five, six, and seven. Yeah, um, looks really good on her. Yeah, it's well groomed. It's not a distraction. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, I like the the opening shot of this episode is the Enterprise alongside the USS Repulse, which is another starship, and it's a design that I don't feel like we see very often on the show. But uh, I always like seeing the Enterprise hanging out with another federation ship yeah we get like a protracted sort of prologue scene of the of the ship exterior with some fun orchestral music yeah and then we then we duck into a shuttle bay and we get a really really sophisticated cg scene of like a shuttle taking off and leaving the shuttle bay and then we cut to the bridge and we get a oneer like i think it's the first oneer that we've gotten of any length in the series so far and would it surprise you to know that our, our friend, friend of the show, Rob Bauman, directed this one? Not in the slightest. Well, uh, I think we're in good hands right away because yeah. like right after we cut into the bridge from the shuttle bay, there's like a 40-second Steadicam shot from, yeah. from like Data at the Science Station, like past Worf. Yeah, and this shot is all about revealing that Worf has changed to a yellow uniform, that Riker has a beard. It almost it, it almost like uh it almost implies that Riker is the captain for a second cuz he's <laughs> he's rocking the captain seat. Yeah, like all you have to do is grow a beard and you're the captain now. <laughs> Look at me. Look at my beard. Yeah. I'm the captain now. <laughs> In between season 1 and 2, Captain Picard beamed himself into space again, but this time we didn't bother getting him back. Yeah, uh we get a we get a look at the bridge and those wood panels have been removed. Yeah. Things are looking good on the Enterprise. Yeah, and also, like, we're getting really production geeky about this, but, like, everything's lit better. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it just looks like a better show right away. I agree. I think that there's a lot that they're continuing from season one, but the fit and finish detail stuff is just noticeably better already. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You need to throw the keys to the show, uh to a guy you can trust and that's why you throw him at rob bauman yeah so uh so here's what's going on the enterprise is onboarding their new chief medical officer uh the highly controversial dr katherine pulaski controversial because she's a marm and <laughs> is incredibly bigoted against data and is not half as likable as gates mcfadden yeah, I mean, I guess the backstory is that uh, Doctor Crusher goes back to yeah, she's she's gonna like head up Starfleet Medical, I believe. She's probably happy to get off that ship after her, all of the uh, all of the emotional trauma of knowing that your son Wesley, the boy, is uh, in in the clutches of a predator. 
<laughs> you just don't want to see it anymore. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, some parents would take their kid with them when they fled that, but you can't hardly blame her. So Pulaski's coming on board and Jordy, meanwhile, is working out a crazy containment system because the Enterprise is once again going to be transporting some medical shit from one place to another. And this medical shit happens to be a highly dangerous MacGuffin that could, you know, kill everybody on the ship in 11 seconds if it gets out of containment. It's like viruses and stuff. Yeah, the best MacGuffins are the most fatal and they and they're transporting like dozens of them yeah so they have this weird like uh this like honeycomb pod that uh they're they're constructing in in uh in one of the cargo bays and Jordy's gonna need all this all this extra warp power to replicate everything he needs to replicate and uh Riker says uh well the second you get it all replicated I need you to slam as much power into those warp nacelles as you possibly can yeah, this this whole scene takes place uh, in the ready room where we get our second Riker maneuver testicular safety sit down <laughs> that I can recall. Yeah, and then we get the very first reverse Riker when he pops up out of the chair and swings his leg over on the way out, which I feel like is almost more of a Riker maneuver because how unnecessary! <laughs> it's so great. It it almost puts his balls at more risk than he has saved them from with the with the frontward Riker maneuver because you can't see what you're backing up into. Right. Like if you if you dangled them into a headrest on your way out, I think that, that could really cause some damage. Yeah. I don't think he's considered that. Yeah. So they get what they need from this ship uh, that's pulled up alongside and they go off cruising to uh, to deliver their plague to wherever they need to deliver them to. <laughs> and as they leave a little beam of light like Tinkerbell appears and then follows the ship and then is cruising around the interior of the ship. Yeah, and Data's picking up some funky readings, but they never quite put it together that there's something entering the ship. There's a couple of funny scenes where like, we'll sneak behind a bulkhead while two people pass so that they don't see the the Tinkerbell light floating around in the in the hallways. Yeah, it's making that Tinkerbell sparkly sound too. Yeah, but eventually this light goes where basically anybody that boards the Enterprise hopes one day to go inside Deanna Troy. <laughs> That's so horrible. I can't believe I said that. Oh God. <laughs> You know, I was hoping to take this scene a little bit seriously because <laughs> because it is actually like a depiction of rape. Like the light cruises into Deanna's quarters. It goes up under her sheets as she's sleeping and it sort of disappears at around groin level. And then she's she's awoken like Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters. I remember this scene being more chaste seeming. Yeah. And it's pretty like it is pretty explicitly a thing it's, going into her vagina. It's explicitly vaginal. Yeah. Which is like yeah, that's pretty intense. That's a pretty intense thing to even imply on television, you know, at six PM on, on a weeknight. Yeah. Kind of a lot to process. <laughs> We're back on the bridge a little later. And Captain Picard's wondering where the hell Dr. Pulaski is. 
I mean, he hasn't even met her yet. He doesn't even remember what her name is. Dr. Pulaski, sir. Yeah, it's pretty standard protocol for an officer of her of her stature to at least give a what's up to the captain. So the captain decides to go find her. So he just goes on foot to hunt her down. And this is another uh, season two surprise. We get a new location, which is the 10 forward lounge. And a new beloved cast member, which is Guinan. That's right. So the doors open and they reveal this uh, rotating restaurant type scene. <laughs> The 10 forward lounge is on the very front of the ship. It's a beautiful place. You get to see everything. Yeah. Lots of windows. And our friend Whoopi Goldberg is tending the bar. Uh, Fun fact, same costume that she wore in Sister Act. (laughs) (laughs) People have made that joke a thousand times, right? I'm not, I can't be the first person to say that. No, no, not at all. I've never heard that before. So Picard strolls in fully intending to big dog Pulaski in a where the fuck have you been kind of manner. Strolls up to Pulaski, who's sitting with Troy, and he's like, uh, what's up? I thought we were going to meet. And Pulaski's like, Doctor, protocol may have been lax on your last assignment, but here on the Enterprise... Sit down, Captain. You'd better listen to this. Deanna's pregnant. And then it's dun-dun-dun music. Yeah. And then... What follows is the most awkward pregnancy McLaughlin group ever. (laughs) (laughs) Issue one. We're in the conference room with all of the bridge crew and off by yourself is Deanna Troy sitting at the very other end of the table. And what we get here is a really skin crawly conversation about what they should do with the pregnancy. It's like all the dudes on the ship suddenly think that (laughs) it's their place to weigh in. And, you know, they, they, they sort of line up along uh, very predictable character lines. Worf is like, Kill it, kill it now, kill it with fire. Data is... Worf wants to basically like drop her off at Kaiser. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like, he is he yeah. is like so stone cold about this. Yeah, yeah. Don't date Worf if you're 16, ladies. Um, <laughs> uh, Data is really curious uh, and you know makes the case that this is uh, an opportunity to interact with uh, an alien life form. Um, but, you know, there's some pretty intense debate that sort of gets drowned out in in Troy's head. And she, at, at a certain point, just kind of like slams her fist on the on the desk and says, y'all need to shut the fuck up. My body, my choice. I'm going to have this baby. Peace, bitches. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to keep my baby. Yeah. Worf, don't preach. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, like... Uh, Riker's pretty cool about it. Like, he is not nearly as upset as he was when she was about to marry uh, the AHA guy. I mean, he's upset. From, from Take On Me. He's like he's like a little miffed that he didn't know that she was dating anyone, you know? Yeah, his first question was, who's the father? Yeah. He says, I don't mean to be indelicate, and then asks the most indelicate question he can ask. Um, sure. I think if there's ever an episode when Riker needs his leaning wall, it's this one. Yeah, and it's nowhere to be found. It is a guiding principle of a dark-leading face. If you can't find it within yourself, just stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. This story has two things growing. Uh, it's got Troy's baby growing in her belly. And my love for Seymour Castle in a hazmat suit. I'm Lieutenant Commander Hester Delp, medical trustee. 
Oh God! Growing in my yeah. chest. <laughs> uh, our love for Seymour Castle could not be greater. Uh, special guest star Seymour Castle, who joins uh, joins the many senior actors who have been on this show with very very ill fitting uniforms. Yeah, like it could not be dumpier. So he is a, a Starfleet medical official who is personally has personally taken responsibility for this highly highly contagious cargo that they're taking aboard and so every like the the when, when we first meet him they're uh they're facetiming down to the planet that he's on and he's in like he's in like a a, a hazmat suit that looks like it's taken several steps back from what we had in the movie <laughs> outbreak <laughs> but is somehow you know hundreds of years futuristic from that Boy, they really don't give his character much to do, and he does a shit ton with it. Of course he does. He's one of the great character actors of our time. I love him. Oh, man. So so fun to see him in this episode. So he's he's uh, worrying with, with Jordy about getting the samples, and uh, meanwhile, uh, Troy and Data uh, are worrying about getting a baby delivered because the thing about this baby is that it is developing at an extremely accelerated rate. Like, you know, they will, they'll, they'll do an ultrasound hours apart and the fetus is, is weeks or months more developed than it was the last time they took a look. And, uh, and so the delivery scene comes and it's, it's pretty intense. Like data is sort of surrogate father character uh, despite the incredibly bigoted protestations of Dr. Pulaski. Counselor Troy is going to need the comfort of a human touch and not the cold hand of technology. Yeah, if you're going to pick someone from the bridge crew to be sort of the midwife, like, you couldn't do better than Data, I don't no. think. So, so nurturing and fully yeah. functional. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know he's seen that before. Yeah, Worf shows up with the Dustbuster Club, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I think it was the same two uh dustbuster jocks that they had in the finale episode of season one that were supposed to clear that uh that rich banker guy off the bridge it's their a-list dustbuster club well it's strange to need armed guards in a delivery room Uh, you know who else shows up in this episode for the first time since i think season one episode one is uh transporter chief o'brien that's right he was sort of an anonymous bridge guy in uh, in the first episode of season one, and he is back with a job title in this episode. It's hard for me to think of Chief O'Brien without thinking of... Uh, are you familiar with the Chief O'Brien at Work comics? I've seen a few of them. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. God, they are so great. Um, I uh, I actually like them so much, I just got like a comic book of them. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, they're created by this guy, John Adams, and like the life of Chief O'Brien yeah. as interpreted by him is just like a hilarious nightmare scape yeah. that that I can't help but think about every time I see him on screen. So much pathos in that comic. Uh, did you notice that, you know, as Troy's pregnant, she gets a scene where she kind of waddles around uh, pretty much yeah. fully fully pregnant at that point. Yeah, her and she, space maternity garb. Yeah, she uh she walks onto the bridge and uh and takes her seat next to the captain's chair <laughs> and uh and Picard asks how she feels and she goes, Oh, oh I'm fine. I'm better than fine. <laughs> the look on Riker's face in that scene 
And then he and then he turns to the con and he says, uh, "Standard orbit." <laughs> like his his voice his voice totally cracks. <laughs> like that was such a throwaway scene for me, but like I had to rewind it and play it back again. Like there was some real subtle character building there that I thought was just hilarious. That's pretty good. Can we talk about uh, the the upright pregnancy chair with stirrups? Yeah, that, space stirrups. Yeah, she's basically. Uh, sitting in an upright reclined position which i mean i have never i've never delivered a baby but that seems that seems strange right yeah i mean that baby's just gonna fall right out unless somebody is there to catch it but worse there with dustbuster club like they're gonna shoot it or something right they're gonna be ready for that right just in case it's like a xenomorph or whatever Right. But Troy is having the baby and is experiencing no pain at all. And that's another kind of spooky thing about this whole pregnancy. No pain ever. Yeah. Like her belly is growing by the hour and, and she's not hurting. There's no stretch marks. She's uh, she's experienced no pain during the actual birth itself and is super cool. Yeah. She feels great afterwards. Yeah. And and like I think, you know, a couple hours afterwards, Polaski says, like, if I examined her now, I would not be able to tell that she'd had a baby recently or ever. Yeah. Like it all snaps right back. Which I think if you see Riker in this scene, like he's sort of nodding like, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. This episode is uh, really uh, at Marina Sirtis' expense, isn't it? God, it really is. Yeah, they they, uh, they wrote this episode at the Deanna <laughs> Troy character. <laughs> I feel like, but we're also riffing at her. I feel I feel slightly guilty about this. But anyways, by the time Picard comes to meet this baby, it is, uh, by all appearances, a four-year-old boy who can talk. Hello. And by the time he sees it again, it's like an eight-year-old boy. Please don't worry. Everything is okay. This is a situation which started as creepy and became creepier because kids with super intelligence is sort of the scariest thing ever to me. Like <laughs> the kid from the pet cemetery is like is an example of this. But sometimes that is better. Yeah. Like like he is definitely displaying the signs of pet cemetery kid. Right. He stares at you deeply. He he talks in a very sophisticated manner, uh, older than his age. Right. Or his his imagined age. It's creepy. Yeah. And great casting on the two kids, because I guess they're, they're probably brothers or something, but they look like damn near identical, but separated by four years in age. Like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen? <laughs> Wait, how does that work? You didn't know that? They're like four years apart. I, uh, I went to college at NYU at the same time as them, and I... Uh, only saw one of them once, and I don't know which one it was, but uh, she got on an elevator that I was uh, on going down from like the ninth or 10th floor of this building, and it was just the two of us and her two huge bodyguards, and Whoa. when the elevator got to the ground floor, one of them put his hand on my chest and detained me in the elevator until she could get off and get into the like the suburban that was idling on the on the curbside waiting for her and i felt so offended that he had taken the liberty of preventing me from getting off the elevator because you know like i mean he touched me so weird yeah right on the bathing suit area too (laughs) so there was no eye contact between you uh no she was on her blackberry the whole time that could have been your moment yeah i know 
Could have been a rich man. You got it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, our B story has to do with the virus samples inside the shuttle bay. And wouldn't you know it, our MacGuffin has gone cray. (laughs) That MacGuff cray. Yeah, so uh, some unknown force is causing one of the samples to grow, which is, I guess they're like supposed to be inert biological samples, and if they're growing, the containment field can only hold them so long, and if they get out of the containment field, it's everybody's ass. So it's it's a pretty full-blown emergency going on on the B storyline. And like you know it's a full-blown emergency because you get a crash zoom into Seymour Castle's face. <laughs> that, like, the cards on the blow are asking him how dire the situation is, and they just, like, run from across the shuttle bay into his face <laughs> with the camera. Yeah. And he like, is, like... Very. They had the, the focus puller get on, on a ladder and jump <laughs> off of it and kick the, uh, the, uh, the zoom function on the camera oh, yeah. on his way down. It was massive. It was so great. And because it's Seymour Cassell, like, like that only makes it better, I think. Oh, man. So good. Damok Angelad at Tanaga. Damok Angelad at Tanaga. We should talk very briefly about the C storyline, which is uh, Wesley... The boy. Uh, ...undergoing some ennui surrounding the fact that his mom is no longer there and he is supposed to ship off to Starfleet Academy at some point. And, you know, he has like a pretty long scene in 10 forward staring into the stars and Guinan comes up and talks him off the proverbial ledge a little bit. There's another scene where he and Picard are on the turbo lift and Picard is like really awkward and weird about it in sort of the way a jilted lover would be around somebody who's leaving for a long time exactly like that like that was the direction i feel like he got (laughs) yeah Yeah, the whole idea is like uh wesley's got to go continue his studies off the ship and he's really gonna miss it the place is great the enterprise feels like the place to be for him yeah and guinan's uh guinan's scene with him is so is it's really nice yeah because her point is like the expectations on wesley are massive he's He's been called the the Beethoven of engineering. Like <laughs> people are expecting him to go study and become this great officer, but like the conflict within him is that you know the Enterprise is kick ass. He really wants to stay on there to get into all the adventures. Yeah, and uh, and Picard's there. You yeah, know? how's he how's he going to leave him? Yeah, he's got a little bit of Stockholm syndrome at work. I would <laughs> I would guess. Very much so. So wouldn't you know it? They track the containment breach to something called Eichner radiation, which is coming out of the eight-year-old Ian. Hello. The son of Counselor Troy, who has been pretty coy about explaining what's going on, why he's why he's there. At one point, they ask him why he's there, and he he's, says he's not quite ready to tell them. That was the scariest part, right? He basically outs himself as a malevolent creature at that point right you know like up until then he's like playing with puppies right and and like sort of acting cute like a kid Mm -hmm. but when picard addresses him directly and is like we know you look like a kid but what's up he's like (laughs) he says i can't tell you yet in a child voice but inside i'm imagining like the devil voice inside him yeah 
in like the the tongue of Mordor. <laughs> there is no Dana. There is only Zul. Like yeah. that kind of voice. Yeah. Ian uh, realizes that he is putting the ship at danger and decides not to be the evil ghost alien that he could and perhaps should be. And he sort of evaporates into into a, uh, a dust of clouds that coalesces into that same point of light. And Deanna Troy cups that light in her in her hands and has a very emotional sort of goodbye moment with it before it disappears. Yeah, she completely falls apart and like ugly cries. Yeah. Pretty hard. Like it's probably like she's more emotional at this than I think anyone on the show has been about anything including the death of uh, of Tasha Yar. Yeah, and I thought that Marina Sirtis, like, for, for what this episode asked of her, I thought she really rose to this challenge. Like, I thought yeah. her performance was really top-notch top, top notch in this episode. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, she did great. But, yeah, so the, uh, the ship is no longer in danger and all's well. The end of the episode is uh, business is taking place on the bridge, and, and uh, Wesley has confessed to Picard that he does not in fact plan on shipping out to the Academy and would like to stay on board. So Picard announces this to the bridge crew and says that Wesley is not, is not going to be leaving after all, but you know, he needs, he needs people to step up and fill in where, uh, where his mother uh, would have been. And so like Worf volunteers to tuck him in at night <laughs> can you uh, imagine how tightly he tucks those sheets in on you oh yeah <laughs> some people sleep with their sheets tucked in and some people sleep with them out but i think a warrior sleeps with them tucked in right yeah those like are a a, warrior sheets mm-hmm. i sort of i sort of felt like maybe the implication of this scene was that picard was handing off molestation duties to Riker. oh i don't think so at all Riker is not into that Riker could get anyone he wants. I don't know. More to growing up than that. It's my belief, number one, that you're best qualified to supervise that. Are you willing to serve? Yes, I can do that. Think it through for yourself. I think the implication is in there. Oh, I sort of got it as a uh, Commander Riker's going to teach you how to be a man. And then, like, Riker's got that knowing look like, oh, shit, (laughs) we are going to use up all my holodeck tokens. It's going to be great. (laughs) Oh, man. I wish for just once they would show them putting the tokens into the little coin slot in the wall next to the holodeck. <laughs> yeah. Do you think when Riker like scores big, it gives him a bunch of tickets that he can go then redeem on uh, in the uh, ten forward? Yeah, he uses all his tickets on lube. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. So yeah, I mean it's uh, it's Worf doing the tucks. Riker doing the fucks. <laughs> Uh, like, does Data get a job? I think maybe Data's on school patrol or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Pretty much the coolest latchkey kid situation you could get. Yeah. Right? Got a little bit of a commission, and you uh, maybe the coolest three dudes in the in the Federation are, are looking after you. You can't help but be cool in a situation like that. Well, I really uh, I like this episode. It's a very unusual way to start a season of television uh, once again. But um, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, I did too. It was real strong. The production values are still like a thing I keep thinking about. They are so much better than in the first season. Yeah. Just really great. Uh, it looks like a real show now. It a sure real does. show that people can care about. Uh, as you were watching the episode... 
Did you come across any drunk Shimodas? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I'm going to go with uh, Dr. Hester Delt, the Seymour Castle character. Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, we got taken to task on our iTunes reviews for explaining what Drunk Shimoda is every time. Really? Yeah. Somebody gave us like a bad review based on the fact that we take the time to explain what it is. I feel like the reason we do that is it's like the only kind of inside joke thing on the show that I don't feel like would be obvious to a new listener. And yeah, since we don't yeah. know like which episode comes out, we'll have a thousand new listeners or a hundred new listeners. We explain it. Okay. Yeah. How many listeners does that guy have? Right. So like there's plenty of precedent in podcasts for explaining what a segment is about. Yeah, we're trying to be an inclusive show here. Yeah. So the only revenge that we've ever successfully enacted on these types of jerk faces is having everybody else go to iTunes and leave us nice five-star reviews and bury their shitty attitude. Yeah, uh, five stars for us, not helpful reviews for that guy. Jeez, we're just trying to... Just trying to make a Star Trek podcast here and talk to people about the embarrassment that it inflicts on our lives as we do it. But Drunk Shimoda is our award for... A character who's acting drunk, silly, just having a great time. And uh, Hester Delt is is my pick because, uh, you know, for all of the intense uh, shit that he has on his shoulders and all of the, like, times that he tries to explain to everybody how serious it is that they uh, maintain containment on on these samples, he never gets, like, completely beside himself he always seems like he's having a pretty good time he's like hey i'm on a cool space adventure yeah with some cool some cool biological samples he seems real happy to be there i like that good job (laughs) seymour castle this might be just recency bias but he's also one of the first aged characters on the show that hasn't kicked another officer in the face (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of a streak that's been broken with with this character right yeah nice of him to (laughs) avoid doing a roundhouse (laughs) to any of the other characters' grill. Yeah, yeah, he resists the temptation to go full Gregory Quinn on someone. <laughs> uh, my nomination for Drunk Shimoda is Worf, which I think might be the first time he's been nominated for a Drunk Shimoda. Interesting. For two reasons. One is the whole not even trying to be subtle about the idea that he wants Troy to abort her baby. Like, <laughs> look, you can you can be classy about that position if you want to be. And he is like, he is like talking like she's not in the room. Yeah. It was kind of horrifying. Yeah, that uh, that is some some real mainline misogyny right there. Yeah, and look, he's told that it's not going to happen, but he still walks into sickbay with the Dustbuster Club and basically like, three phasers ready to shoot a baby so (laughs) so that's fun yeah uh the second reason is this is the first time i can remember seeing wharf puffs which are the puffs of chest hair sticking out of the top of his uniform (laughs) did you notice this (laughs) i must have missed it they shoot him really up close uh during the second half of the episode and he is just puffing out yeah well, they shoot him up close because the, the makeup on, on Worf is light years ahead of where it was last season. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a much better looking meatloaf this time. Mm-hmm. Some well-done meatloaf. Yeah. But yeah, 
Wharf Puffs for the first time. Woo! We get some Wharf Puffs and we get some Reverse Riker. Pretty great start to the season, I think. Indeed. I am acute as a ball. You are born. Uh, what do we have coming up on our next episode? Season 2, Episode 2 is called Where Silence Has Lease. The crew is held hostage in a mysterious void by a being who wishes to observe the many ways in which humans die. Do you, uh, do you remember this one, Adam? I do. I remember this one being a real creepy, like almost scary episode yeah. when I watched it the first time. I feel like this episode is almost the episode I think of first when I think of Star Trek The Next Generation. Because hmm. there are so many episodes where they get caught in some kind of spatial anomaly. Yeah. And I feel like this really is like the wellspring of that, you know, in a way like they're like, oh, we can just do this. Like they don't have to encounter any aliens. We don't have to come up with any crazy makeup at all. Right. It's just the ship is in a trap. Yeah. Episode. So uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Would you uh, would you use one of our one of our reinstated vetoes on this episode? Yeah, that's right. There's been a lot of chatter about whether or not we're bringing back vetoes for this season. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, vetoes are here to stay, all right? It's a it's a tension that we're keeping on the show. It's as tense of a situation with these vetoes as it is a welcoming situation when we describe what Drunk Shimoda is. So, <laughs> so back off. Uh, I will not veto this episode. I have, I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I'm interested to see if it holds up. Right on. Well, um... Are you? Uh, I'm not going to veto it either. Uh, of course not. I, We've got Luxana Troy episodes to save him for. <laughs> yeah, and Q episodes too. Oh, I don't agree. All right, well, uh, I'm excited to see it. We will watch that one, and then we'll record another episode. Until then... <laughs> that sounds like a plan, Adam. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do around here. <laughs> if you uh, If you have anything to tell us about how we're doing, or just want to talk to other listeners of the show, you can... Hop onto Twitter and use the hashtag GreatestGen. You can find uh, me and Ben on there, too. I'm at Cut for Time. He's at Benjamin R, A-H-R. Send us an email. You can follow our, find our email on our website, gach.biz. And if you're a true fan, you know how to spell that. That's right. We should thank Dark Materia for our lovely theme music. The best theme music. Really, really Dark Materia's theme music that we stole. Uh, That's right. But I, I, uh, I consistently think that, that it might be the best part of our show. Every time I like uh, dip into an episode to make sure everything sounds good when it shows up in the feed, I'm like, man, what a great song. It really is. Well, with that, uh, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and another pretty mediocre episode of The Greatest Generation. We strive for mediocrity. <laughs> See you then. Bye. Bye.